um, for Danielle. And uh, thank you in a big way to the teen ministry. Uh, they uh, lent me some faith, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and uh, thank you to Jackie Marici and Jackie Ramirez and um, Alexis Shump and the Shumps and um, Marina and Ruben and all the teens. And uh, I know it does truly take a whole church to help somebody all your life, not just to get baptized. Amen? Uh, but it's been a great month, and uh, it's exciting. T minus eight in eight days. Uh, myself and five teenagers and a single parent and uh, eight, eight or nine singles are going to Honduras to uh, serve the poor, which will be an incredible time. Really looking forward to that. Uh, and if you're interested, there's another trip on August 19th, uh, that weekend, to Guatemala City. And I really think this is going to be a great, great uh, time there with the church. But so many great things. And then if you could put on your calendar August 14th, and be praying. It's a big day for the Spanish ministry. Amen. Um, really appreciate uh, Sergio and Lupe and their faith. Uh, and we'll be planting a uh, church there on the west side in Spanish on August 14th for the inaugural service. So everyone works with people that speak Spanish. Liberal and the people that speak Spanish. Uh, the Latinos are taking over. They're everywhere. So let's bring them to the gospel. And uh, that's going to be a great, great uh, start. About 40, 45 brothers and sisters are going to be part of that church planning. And I just can't wait to see what God does as He brings the good news to that whole side of town uh, there in Spanish. And uh, so grateful for all that have already done work to lay the foundation for that. Um, you know, this is such a faithful church. It really is. And, uh, and yet I think I can call your faith higher. And, you know, your faith is a lot like your moods. It goes up and it goes down. Or your temperature. It goes up and it goes down. You know, in a marriage, always one is hot and one is cold. I don't know how that works. It just works that way. It's hot in here. It's cold in here. It's cold in here. It's hot in here. But our faith goes up and it goes down. But God never goes up and goes down. God is constant, the Bible says. He's not like a man that He should change like shifting shadows. The Bible says in Hebrews towards the end that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. And so that's where we need to anchor and root our faith. Because we go up and we go down. And life goes up and life goes down. You know, the title of this sermon this morning is A Commendable Faith. A Commendable Faith. Second Thessalonians I'm going to put a few scriptures on the screen and then we're going to get into our text. We're going to look at Matthew today, about 15 verses in two different sections. And we're going to look at Hebrews as well. Uh, last time I preached, and I think it was January or December, I can't remember, uh, I preached about Hebrews 3 and 4, taking your next step. Today we're going to preach out of Hebrews 11 about faith. Just trying to get this thing going. Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter 1. Verse 3, verse 1. Just trying to, we're having all kinds of technical challenges here. It says, Finally, brothers, pray for us. There it is. That the message of the Lord may, be, may spread rapidly and be honored. That's what the Latin brothers and sisters are saying right now. Pray for us. You know, prayer makes a difference. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith. You know, there was a poll that came out in Time Magazine a week or two ago. It said that 94% of Americans believe in God. Down from 96% in the 1940s, mid-40s, right around after the war. 
but 94%. I'll tell you, they may believe in God, but 94% of Americans don't have faith. Faith is different than just intellectual acknowledgement that there's a God. I had lunch on Friday with my neighbor for the second time. He's 85 years old, battle of the bold survivor. And I wanted to talk with them and just hear the stories and so on and so forth. And so I just, you know, I was sharing about my life and my parents and my dad's passing and my mom coming over to this country and immigrating here and so on and so forth. And so I thought I'd have to ask him. I said, so how about you? You know, you're 85. Are you ready to meet God? We were having a nice lunch. It wasn't like I just went right for it, okay? We've got a friendship going, okay? I'm a little more sensitive than that. And I didn't say it with my hand. I just, just across the table. And he said, I don't believe in God. It's Jewish. He said, I don't believe in God. God's within you. God's whatever you want it to be. I don't believe in a God up there or a God that's going to judge you or a God of eternal life. Or This is God. It's in whatever you want it to be. Whatever you want to experience. And I thought, what an accomplished man. What a nice man. What an All these incredible things. And yet here he is, last chapter of his life, saying, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in God. Like that. It says, not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Are we going to have problems with this the whole time? I have a little greater faith that we're going to work it out. You know, Satan is trying to steal your faith. You see, I don't really have much. Well, then he's trying to steal any little bit that's coming your way from taking birth, from taking roots. You say, my faith is strong. Well, Satan's got a plan to put some leaks in your faith, to discourage your faith, to drain your faith, to distract your faith. That is what he does. And he uses people, he uses situations, he uses your own emotions, he does whatever he has to do to take away our faith. But the Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, chapter 3, verse 3, it says, The Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. I hope you believe that. And when you're feeling attacked in your faith, rather than going the route of the victim, I can't believe this is happening to me. Realize that God's right there as a promise to strengthen and protect us from the evil one. Now, what I want to do is I want to have a little bit of a faith check today. No one likes the doctors until they're hurt. But you know, there's a purpose for a doctor and there's a purpose for the physical. And they always check the three vitals, you know, blood pressure, temperature, and what's the third one? Heart rate, thank you. I was going to thought it was. And heart rate. You can be going in there because you have a little rash on your the back of your neck, and they go, let's check your blood pressure. You're like, what does that have to do with my rash? Well, nothing really. Or maybe, but usually not. But it's just a safety valve. It's just a safety check to always know if there's something off in the vitals, we may have a lot larger problem than that rash on your neck. And so it's done every time you go. How about our faith? Let's do a faith check today. Because I believe this is a church of great faith and, a, and people that are to be commended, but I think we can take our faith a lot higher in a number of areas. Uh, there's a professional mountain climber, interesting name, you'll get a kick out of it, named Royal Robbins. 
Uh, he uh, was the guy that climbed every face in Yosemite, except El Capitan. Uh, one of the other guys beat him to it while he was climbing another one. But he was the first American, or first person to climb all those faces all over Yosemite. And if you've been to Yosemite, that's pretty scary. And he was writing an article for Sports Illustrated, and he described the one great essential of the sport of rock climbing. And he said this, he said, it's not physical strength or having the safest and best equipment or even proper training, but the ability to see things as they really are. Robbins writes, continues, if we are keenly alert and aware of the rock that we're going to climb or that we're climbing and what we're doing on it, if we are honest with ourselves and our capabilities and weaknesses, if we avoid committing ourselves beyond what we know is safe, then we will climb safely. For climbing, he said, is an exercise in reality. He who sees it clearly is on safe ground, regardless of his experience or skill. But he who sees reality as he would like it to be may have his illusions rudely stripped from his eyes when the ground comes up fast. Actually, mountain climber Robbins has given a masterful expression to a crucial life principle. Wise people resist seeing life as they would like to see it. They are honest with themselves regarding their capabilities and weaknesses. This universal principle applies to every area of our life. But nowhere is it more essential in anything else we'll do in life than in our faith. Because real faith exercise in reality. You know, where our faith is at will determine whether we go to heaven or not. You say, today, overall. If we don't protect our faith and feed our faith and hold on to our faith and keep our faith precious, then we will go the route. It is proven through the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, that we will go the route. As you see in the book of Matthew, it was written to a Jewish audience, people that were of a lineage of God. They knew so much about God. They were reading the truths of God and yet could not see God standing right there. In the book of Hebrews, you've got Christians that were Jews that had a rich history, a rich lineage, like many of you that have been Christians for decades. And I commend you for that. But if your faith doesn't stay like the faith of a child, and heartsy, and idealistic, and engaged, then you'll go the route of the Hebrew writer, the people that the Hebrew writer is talking about. Because you can be so close to the truth, reading truth, and yet can't see God in your faith right before you. And that's what you see in the book of Matthew. That's what you see in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11, verse 1, he says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. It's interesting, I've been doing a study out of Hebrews 11 for my quiet times. Uh, also, it gave me the idea, we had a summer intern program, about 130 singles from all over the L.A. church, second summer now, are meeting every Saturday. This Saturday is our fifth and last Saturday. And the theme of the, of the intern program is heroes out of Hebrews 11. That our heroes in the world, there's another side to them. But our heroes in the Bible, they show that other side and they overcome that other side through God. And that we need to be the heroes of today because of our faith. Not because of our talent or who we know or what we don't know, but heroes of today. In this passage right here, Hebrews 11.1, 1, 
This concept of being sure of what we hope for. It comes from this, the Greek uh, language. It's, it's the same idea of the title for your house. That if someone comes and says, do you own this house? I know the bank does, but you know what I mean. Do you own this house? Well, yes, I do. Prove it. Well, I live here. It's not good enough. I've lived here a long time. Ask my name. Prove it. And how you can prove it is there's a title that's recorded somewhere that you can come and take and say, look, this is me. Here's my ID. Here's my name. Here's my picture. Here's the title. It's my house. That's the same concept for faith. When he's saying being sure of what we hope for, it's that same concept that behind the scene, behind what you can visibly see, somewhere locked away in the archive, is a title saying that's his faith. That's her faith. It's right here. I can show you here, here, here. It's them. Versus just saying, I have faith or attending a church. He says it's sure of what we hope for and certain, a confirmation of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. We don't like to be called old or elderly or ancient. But in this case, I think that's a compliment. The people of old. The people that went before us. And you know that all these heroes in the Bible, and they messed up a lot. But they were heroes because they overcame their character. They overcame their situation by their faith. See, by faith we understand. The Greek word there understands means to reflect upon. To sit there and look at creation and go, wow, how did this get here? I mean, this is bigger that I, I mean, it's amazing. You know that feeling when non-Christian goes by the ocean, they're like, wow, it's beautiful. A Christian goes by and goes, wow, that's beautiful. My dad, my God, my father, that, and this, and that. There's, there's a connection. It's, it's, it means to reflect and contemplate upon what God has done. He says, by faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And down in verse 6, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. See, this word commendable means deserving praise. You know, God created us to want praise. Right? And we can take that and we can tweak it and distort it and pervert it. And you see that in John 12 where they want, they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And you've seen it where at different times you haven't stood up for your faith because you've loved more the praise of men than the praise of God. And you've seen it. People studying the Bible and realizing, hey, wait a second. If I follow Jesus, she's not going to like me. He's not going to like me. I'm not going to be cool anymore. And you go through this challenge of do I love the praise of man or more the praise of God? But God created us to need affirmation. How many of us have parents that said so many nice things and we hold to it, especially if they're gone. We hold to it like it's yesterday. It ministers to us. And how many of us had parents that never said a nice thing? And we kind of had to read between the lines, well, what they really meant by that expression of love that wasn't... You know, when we, we crave that. But how about craving for that commendation of the Father... Not just seeking it from people. 
John 5.44, Jesus is speaking to religious people, and he says to them, How can you believe if you accept praise from others, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes, I love what it says, from the only God? See, we've got to make effort. It's not enough just to say, well, I'm clothed with Christ. That's it. He praises me for that. And I say amen to that. He does. But it doesn't stop it. I grew up in a religious experience to where you go to church and it's all about you. You being fed. You getting some ointment. You getting ministered to. But it was never about them going out and being Jesus to the world. How about it? Can we strive for a commendable faith? We can't go back to the BID stories. Bro, back in the day. I mean, that's okay if you're older and you want to talk about your physical feats. Because as you get older, you can't do what you did back in the day. So you can talk about it. And be proud of it. You went for it. But if we're in our faith going, man, back in the day. Man, I brought it. I was, man, Bible studies, help this person, that person, and I was so joyful. And You know, that's how a lot of us were as younger Christians. You go, I was naive. No, you were more pure-hearted. I really think, and it's hard, but I really think the closer we get to heaven, the more zealous we should become. The closer we get to heaven, the more faithful we should become. You say, but Marco, I've been a Christian longer and so I've had a lot more hurts. Well, hello, that's the whole world. The longer you live, the more you experience goods and bads. But I think the closer we get to heaven, the more excited we should become. You know, my mom is a disciple, 23 years this November. She's 77 or 8, I can't remember, what, one of the two here next week. And I was talking to her last year when I was home. I said, Mom, what do you, what do you think about dying? Like, what do you think about... <laughs> Guys, you all think it. Why not ask? I mean, you know. I said, so what do you think about just heading over and whatever? She goes, I'm just excited. I mean, you know, I thought she said, I'm going to miss you, Marco. And, you know, she goes, I'm just excited. I can't wait to see God. And she's in good health and praise God and active and loves the church, thinks that she found the treasure hidden in a field 23 years later. And she goes, I just can't wait to see God and wait to see my son who passed away. She had a young, her firstborn, or her lastborn, her baby died. I thought, wow, that's a pretty cool response. And I think for us, the longer we're a Christian, if we're, our faith is not idealistic and fiery, then we're drifting. And our faith will not be commendable are deserving of praise. See, it's impossible to please God without faith. And I want to encourage you here. See, 94% of the USA loosely believes He exists. And that's a loose exists. But how about those that earnestly seek Him? The other part of the verse 6. And how about the belief that God will reward us if we earnestly seek Him. Do a Bible study sometime on God rewarding you. You go, I don't want to be selfish. I do this for altruistic motives. It's not about getting anything in return. Come on. I agree. 
But why does God talk about over and over and over again about wanting to reward you if there wasn't some motivation in it? And He says, I want to reward you and I will reward you. And those that have lived a faithful life see that that's when I've been rewarded the most. You know, look at what this word earnest means. A bit challenging. To be sincere and very serious. Would you describe that about your faith? Both parts. It's sincere, I believe that, and very serious. And earnest means to a greater extent or more intensely than before. Now, if you have to reach back to before you were a Christian, that's a, you can only do that for a little while. Then you've got to build some new muscles in your earnestness. To be sincere and serious in intention. To continue to do something with intense effort. With the possible implication of despite difficulty to devote oneself, to keep on, and to persist in. Makes Hebrews 11.6 look a little different, doesn't it? He says that we need to strive after our faith earnestly to believe that He exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Let's strive for a commendable faith. You know, Hebrews 11, we'll look at it in just a moment, verse 35. C.S. Lewis said this, Faith is the art of holding on to things in spite of changing moods and circumstances. It's a good quote, huh? We've got to develop and hone our art. But I follow God, period. Lean times, famine of seven years, good times. You know, success is a greater test than failure. I mean, the worst of us comes out actually more in success than it does in failure, or at least tempted to. But this is faith, the art of holding on to things in spite of changing moods and circumstances. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 35. You know, we look at the ancients that were commended and we go, I'm not a Moses. I'm not a Noah. I'm not an Abraham. I'm not a Joshua. I'm not any of these guys. I'm just Marco. I'm just me. How can I be commended? I'm not one of the big guys. Really, they didn't think they were one of the big guys either. And when you read down in verse 35, at the end of Hebrews 11, you see he he describes nameless people like us. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured. There's us. Others refused to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Some, there we are. We don't know who, but just some. Face jeers and flogging. Well, still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of who? Them. Us. That's who he's talking about. These weren't the ancients. These were just people in the church. And he goes on to say, these were all commended for their faith. So not just the ancients get commendations, but we too can make every effort versus no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the one and only God. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You know, my sin can be When I go through tough times, first I'm strong. For a while I'm strong. 
Then for a while I'm a little not so strong, but still strong. Then I'm a little less strong. Now I'm getting weak. And then if God really wants to test me, then I start struggling with frustration. Then it goes to bitterness and anger. And then it goes to the victim. God, you know how much I've done? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, tally up the hours, but is this, what? Come on, I'm on your side, God. What? I know you know everything, but what are you doing? Do you know, I mean, I can go there. And there's times I've been super tested in my faith. I'll never forget a time in, in San Diego that my faith was tested, that every time people shared good news, I got critical of it, cynical of it, and jealous of it. Wow, you never done that? Sorry, man, that's where my heart went. I mean, I was like, and then, anybody got any news of what God is doing? And I'm like, he's looking right at me. And you know he wasn't. He's staring at me. He sees that my shoulder isn't even moving. I mean, it's... And then as people hear good news, I just cringe, not because I wasn't happy for them, but I was jealous. Why is it everything happening in other people's lives better than mine? You ever been there? Okay, the middle... Let me talk to you. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's funny because I, I was so discouraged going in a wrong direction that one day I pulled aside the guy that discipled me and trained me in the ministry. I said, I've got to tell you something really serious. And I was serious and he laughed. I said, I think the Holy Spirit left me. And I've never said something that weird or doctrinally unsound. But I was so discouraged that I... I just felt like, you know, the Midas touch? I mean, I'm the opposite. Everything I turn turns to dust versus gold. I said, I think the Holy Spirit left me. Nothing is being blessed. Which again, is an, it's a mirage. It's all how you're looking at it. And he just, he just, <laughs> that was not the encouragement that I was hoping to get. The confirmation that, no, it's still in there. Let's just, let's put some wood in the furnace. I'll never, and, and you know what? And shortly on, I just kept doing what I was supposed to be doing, tried to keep a good attitude. And then God asked me to move to Tucson. I'm like, Tucson, I'm the guy that's been struggling for a year and a half. You want me to go lead that church? I've been struggling. I think you could have faith. And I remember going, well, I don't know. And then he challenged me about my lack of faith. And then I repented that afternoon. And then we just decided, okay, we're going to act as if we have faith. Because that's what the Bible says. To go in the faith you have, not the faith you don't have. The strength, Right? And as we did that, those next 18 months were some of the biggest highlights of our time in the ministry. The most, everything we touched worked. Not literally, that way. Why? What happened? God worked. God was working even when I thought He wasn't working. I just didn't like the results. You know, I really want to build up a brother that's uh, commendable in his faith, Joel Landy. Uh, Joel... I know Joel was like, yeah. Um, Joel reached out to Hakan about a year and a half, a little less than that. And Hakan's uh, a little washed out up there, man. But he's, he's still got a future. And uh, Joel reached out to Hakan in a coffee shop. And, and this is kind of how Joel is. Joel reaches out and reaches out and reaches out. He's always heard he's even studying with a few great guys right now. And he just, he's great at influencing guys for God. And and I'm so thankful, personally, because Akan was, was a Muslim and been in the country about six or eight years or so, learned English, came with nothing, 
And uh, Joel reached out to him and built a friendship and was there beginning, got him to study the Bible, was involved in some of the studies, has been there since he's become a Christian. He's just been a great father figure, older brother, friend. And really built up Hakan. It's been great. And Hakan's made a great impact uh, in the last 15 months. He's got some incredible leadership gifts. And uh, really, and most of all, what's impressive about Hakan is his heart and his faith. I was talking to one of the other brothers that just moved away, Jason. I see, he goes, yeah. He says, yeah, Hakan was up in uh, PV today. I said, really? For what? He goes, oh, he was over on the cliffs praying for four hours. And I'm like, oh, jeez, man, I've got to pick it up here. This is, this is humiliating. Gosh, what happened to me? You know, I mean, just challenge me. But that's the kind of heart he has. And I'm so thankful because uh, just a couple weeks ago, he started uh, to work part-time in the ministry uh, to lead... To lead the Long Beach Singles. And you go, well, you go, well, how much does he know? Not a lot. But I've got, him, I've got him on some tracks here to read the scriptures. And I've got him on some tracks to train. And he's, you know, he's, he's bucking down and learning a lot. And it's growing great. But what he does have, we need a lot of it in the church. Faith. Heart. The other stuff you can fill in. But you can be talented as the day is long, as smart as smart can be, and been here and done this, and a man of wisdom and woman. But if you don't have faith, it's not going to work. But I'm so thankful. I really believe Joel's commendable faith has spread into Hakan, to where Hakan now has a real commendable faith. Look over in Matthew chapter 8. We've got to strive for a commendable faith. You say, Marco, who's faithful all the time? Nobody. You feel better? But we can keep striving that I want my faith to be praised by God. Not just by people, but by God. In Matthew 8, you see this great story that we're very familiar with. When Jesus, Matthew 8, 5, entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord... I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. That one, come, and he comes. I say to this servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, what would Jesus think about overhearing your conversations? He was astonished. Have you ever been shocked by somebody that did something bad? What? Or good? Really? When Jesus was astonished by a Gentile, someone that didn't have the rich heritage of everybody that Matthew was written to, someone that didn't have the lineage. We don't even know if he really worshipped God. We just understood he understood a few things about power and authority. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone, ouch, in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of who? The kingdom. People that were so close. But they couldn't see God. The words were in them. They were on their minds and hearts. But it wasn't real. It wasn't an exercise in reality. 
There wasn't a fire of joy and enthusiasm and passion for building the kingdom. So here he's telling these Jews who are part of God's plan. The subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That was like a sermon right there that he put, verse 11 and 12, in a sermon. Then Jesus said, verse 13, Go! It will be done just as you believed it would. And His servant was healed from that very hour. What happened here? This guy understood how things work. All of you have a boss. And your boss has a boss. And that boss has a boss, and eventually that guy's got to answer to God. Right? All authority God is. I mean, we understand the boss says it, we've got to do it, and we don't. There's consequences. It's kind of how things work. Many of you served in the military. You understand the chain of command. That somebody ultimately has to take responsibility. He can't say, well, there's soldiers down there are not well trained. They did not come through for me. No. It's his responsibility to see to it that he had people in place that made him well trained. He understood how things work. He says, I, you know, I'm a man with authority. I guess you're a man with authority. I've seen and heard the things you've done. I say to my soldier, go. It just happens. Do it. He does it. Come, he comes. Where's your faith today? See, this guy understood how things work. Who was ultimately in charge of everything? Do you understand how things work? Or have you taken control back or never really given control to God? Do you know we're all going to die someday? The Bible says it, Hebrews 9. All men are destined to die. And after We're all going to die. It's not, it's not if, it's just how and when. But between now and then, short time or long, it's all short, we've got to strive to have the faith of this Gentile who was so far from God, didn't understand all these things, but understood how things work. I love what he says, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. When someone tells you and they start complaining about how God's not working and this problem and that problem, ask, go, just, I beg you to ask the question. Well, tell me about your prayers about it. What was your prayer like about it today? What did you say to God about it? How did you talk to God about it? Tell me about the last month, your prayers about it. Well, I haven't really prayed about it. I did a little bit and then I just stopped or kind of and mentioned it. This centurion, it was inside. He understood, not even knowing Jesus, how things work. And I love what he says, that servant was healed at that very hour. Do you believe that you can say a prayer right now in this audience and God can answer it right now? Kind of a weak amen. Do you believe that you can say a prayer right now for someone in this room or someone not in this room, someone around the corner or someone across the world, that you can say a prayer in faith right now and God can answer? Do you believe God can do that? we got to pray that way. we got to act that way. we got to strive for that commendable faith. You know, I really love working with Stephen they have a commendable faith. And you go, well, you're just building up staff, people. And No, I'm just telling you, they bring a lot. They're new. A lot of great qualities. And they're Italian. But I don't know what happened, because I'm a little Italian, like all the rest of us, but they're like huge, you know, huge Italians. But the towering Italian. 
But I appreciate when Steve and Jackie came here, we said, oh, by the way, we moved almost all your leaders out. Last week. But we told them. We didn't trick them. We told them. And we didn't just take them. We took them and put them in places where there was even a greater need for them. I'm so thankful for the Catonios taking a step of commendable faith and going to be part of the Spanish ministry. They have done an outstanding job and the Spanish ministry says amen. I appreciate Brian Plymel and Karen Plymel in this stage of life, this prime of their life, picking up, selling their home, moving from PV uh, to Long Beach, and, and I would say, and serving in the campus ministry, and I would say this is their best years are ahead. Not back in the day in Colorado, but today in Long Beach. And I would say the Long Beach ministry and the campus ministry would say amen to that. That they stepped up. And I'm grateful, very grateful, that these guys were willing to move and move ministries. The Shubs came to the single. And it, it was it put them in a challenging situation. These were some of the pillar leaders. But we were thinking about the whole region, not just South Bay. But I appreciate Stephen Jack. Not one complaint. Maybe in their heart, and I'd never, you know, they worked it out before it got to me. But never, not one complaint. Well, bro, what are you doing, man? Picking the tree before it's even harvested? And, bro, what do you, I mean, how can I, what? Just faithful. You know what? God's going to work. And they've had multiple challenges since then with trying to figure out who's going to go where and what and get, but all along, they've had the attitude, God can do it. These are disciples. No excuses. Greater opportunity for God to be glorified. That inspires me. That is commendable faith. Look at Matthew 15. You know, these Gentiles had more faith than the people that were so close to the truth. These Gentiles that we're reading about could see God. Is it warm in here or is it just me? Let's pretend it's not. Like that movie, Stand and Deliver, Think Cool. Matthew 15.21, leaving that place withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me! My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Verse 23. Jesus, this is a good one for another sermon. Jesus did not answer a word. See, a lot of times we stop praying because we don't get the answer we want. Sometimes God goes, not now, wait. Later. Or I have something different for you. So his disciples came to him and urged him. So when Jesus didn't answer, she shifted her attention to his entourage and started bothering them. And then they come back to him and urge him, send her away. For she keeps crying out after us. What are we going to do for her? They're saying, yeah. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. He's saying, I was sent to the Jews first, the people of God. The woman came and she just kneels before him. Lord, help me. When was the last time you fell on your knees with that type of humility, desperation, and understanding how things work? Looked God face to face and said, Lord, help me. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. That's rough. See, Jesus had a, he had a rhyme and reason right here. 
He was always kind to people. Yes, Lord, she said. What a witty woman. And parents, you know what you do for your kids. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered with an exclamation mark. See that there in the Scriptures? This is not just preacher language. Woman! Maybe he didn't raise his fist like this, but woman, you have great faith. You know, I want God to say to you and me, man, you have great faith. I would say that didn't look like very good faith. I mean, she was in a bad situation, but she wouldn't let up. Look at that. Number one, she cries out. Jesus doesn't answer a word. Then she goes to the apostles. They can't do anything for him, so they go back to Jesus. Third, he answers with a kind of a riddle. I was sent just to the sheep of Israel. Sorry, shop's closed right now. Then, fourth thing, he says, Lord, come on, just help, just a little something. I, you know, I'm not, can't take the crumbs right. I mean, you can't take, he says, uh, you can't take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. It's not for the Gentiles yet. Yeah, yeah Lord, but, you know, the gen, there's always crumbs under the table. Wow, well, all right, you got me. You have great faith. See, we usually quit after the first or second. And then we start complaining to the apostles or whoever. You know what I'm saying? Man, can you believe it? Man, God. You know, and it doesn't, it, the apostles couldn't do anything. Go complain to your minister. We can't do anything. We're not the apostles. But by far, I'm just saying we can't do it. I mean, go to God. We'll help you, but go to God. You know, I'm really thankful for a brother in our ministry. We have many, but you can only share about a few in a lesson. Uh, Jonathan Galvan. Um, you know, Jonathan um, was reached out to by Mike Rose and then reached out to again, you know, stubborn. You ever done that? You know, didn't listen then. And I'm thank- thankful he did listen, but then was reached out to again uh, maybe six months, a year later, by Martine, our, our, our youth minister there down in the, in the southern part of the region. And Jonathan became a Christian. I remember studying with him uh, one time. That was an interesting study. He'll, he'll tell you about it. And, um, you know, Jonathan became a Christian, helped his brother become a Christian, whose name is Christian. And Christian, I remember Christian just you know, sharing at his baptism, going out, running out in the middle, hugging him and going, I'm next. But with the pure heart, you know, just a sense of this is what I want. And then, you know, they reached out and converted their parents. And, uh, you know, you guys heard him share on stage. But it's exciting how when you have great faith, it's God keeps using you. You know, Jonathan got a job. Um, out of college, and uh, you know, anytime you go from college to the real world, hello, it's a shot, it's a rude awakening. Like, you knew there were eight hours in a day before, but you don't never knew what happened to him. Now you're like, you have to be somewhere for eight hours and do it. And so it was a little challenge for him to be at a job. He felt like his boss was hard line, work was hard, didn't really like it that much. It was just challenged, making that shift. He had a hard time getting a job, like many people, got the job and didn't like it a whole lot and wanted to quit. And a couple times he even went to the brothers and says, hey, I think I need to give my two-week notice. I just don't like it here. They said, hang in there. Keep on keeping on. What we would call the earnestness. Hang in there. Well, I'm glad he hanged in, hung in there because um, in time, his boss, as you see, there's Jonathan up there on the screen. It's a little whited out so you can't totally see it, but there's Jonathan sharing about his boss, Carlos and Heidi Cisneros. They were so impacted. They were, had been going to a church for the last eight years. Two of those last eight years, uh, Carlos had been going. Before, it was just his wife. And um, 
they were so impacted, and I wrote the words down, by Jonathan's joy, his love, his hard work, and his respect for people. That's a faith exemplified. Not only did he fight, to just, i got to just have a good attitude about this, but I'm going to shine while I do it, and I'm going to share my faith. Well, you know, they started studying the Bible. They came to the shrine that windy, rainy day when you thought no non-Christian in the right mind would come to the shrine on this day. Well, they did. And Pooh Bear. Pooh Bear is always in the storm. They were there. They kind of made their way through. And Jonathan's there at the shrine going, God, please help me run into Sergio and Lupe amongst the mob. And they're there on the second balcony. There comes Sergio and Lupe. They connect them. And the story goes on and they became Christians just recently. There's your new brother and sister, Carlos and Heidi. What great faith. Let's close with this last passage in Hebrews 11, verse 13. I'll give you a couple practicals. Verse 13, it says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. Where will you be when you die? I want to be living by faith. To the end. You've got to be living by faith to the end. Strive for that commendable faith. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. The, the Greek word there, welcome, is like a greeting, like a, like a, a warm hug and a kiss. And a, I've been waiting. Come on in. This kind of an expectant spirit versus another day a disciple just dragging your ball and chain. It's a sense of I'm welcoming. I'm waiting. Kind of like what my mom shared can't wait to see God. She's welcoming it. They welcomed them from a distance and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. You know, a lot of our faith is weak because we're not aliens and strangers. We fit into the world. And it's not, it doesn't just relate to the teen ministry or the campus ministry. It goes across all the ministries. Once you fit in, you're falling out. Your faith is going away. We should feel a little weird uncomfortable, a little itch in our shirt, in a sense of, I don't fit in the world. What people talk about, I don't totally relate with and I don't totally like. I'm not better. I just, I want God. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing, what are you longing for today? A better country. We get so nationalistic about I'm Italian, I'm Latino, I'm, I'm an American. How about I'm a Christian? Nationality? God. Country? Heaven. Yes, it does exist. How about getting more excited about that? And look what he says here. He says, therefore, because of that, this is really cool, God is not ashamed to be called their God. I looked it up as I was studying this out. What he's talking about there is a surname. God says, I want to put my name and attach it to your name. So just like you see God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of Marco, God of Michelle, God of Danielle, God of whoever, that He says, I want to attach my name to your name. Actually, I'd like to be the first name He's saying. God of. Wow, that's cool. For He has prepared a city for them. You know, this guy Jim Whitaker was the first American to climb Mount Everest. And he said this, You never conquer a mountain, you conquer yourself, your hopes, and your fears. Isn't that good? 1963, he climbed Mount 
Everest, first American to do so, and he was right near the top, and he ran out of oxygen. And I'm not a mountain climber. I like the stories, but I've, you know, it's intense. And he went anyway. Do you know, as you're going through life, you're going to get into some places where you go, this is, goes, this is going great. My faith is there. I've planned things out. I'm pushing through. I've already come so far. And you're going to run out of oxygen. At that point, you've got to just, will I keep on striving for commendable faith, oxygen, or no oxygen. Amen? Let's go after these things. Let's strive for a commendable faith. Let's wait to hear the words following the super six. Philippians 4.8 is the great eight. Matthew 25.23 is the super six. I want to hear those six words. Well done, good and faithful servants. Brave. Strive. It is six, I checked, just so that you mathematically. That was seven. Count them. Six. Strive to hear those words. Long to hear those words. Be earnest so that when you stand before God, it's not this, oh, I hope. No, it's I've been waiting for this day. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, that on judgment day, God will expose the motives of men's hearts. And at that time, everyone will receive their praise from God. Let's take these things to heart. Let's embrace our faith and strive for a commendable faith. Thank you.